Galatians 3, verses 5 through 14. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this scripture. There is so much in here. I pray that you would allow the parts that you want to speak to be the clearest. The parts that you particularly want us to hear this morning would be the most coherent, that they'd stay with us, we'd remember them. And the rest of the things I'm going to babble that are not of value, that you would just allow those things to fall by the wayside and, and not be distracting. And uh, just do your work among us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, the question that Paul basically asked was, did you receive the Holy Spirit by works or by faith? And like I mentioned last week, it was almost a rhetorical question because they knew the answer. It wasn't even a question. They knew they had received the Spirit, and they knew when it happened, when they had faith. This week, Paul asks a similar but slightly different question. Does God, who provides you the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by faith? The previous question was from the perspective of us receiving the Spirit and how that happens. This new question is from the perspective of God doing the work, and he adds miracles to it. So God, who provides a spirit, who works these miracles, does he do it in response to our works or our faith? So you might think, isn't it the same question he asked before, basically? I mean, it's essentially the same thing, so the, the, the answer should be obvious. We can establish that we receive the spirit by faith, and we went over that last week, and if you want to listen online, I went through many, many different ways we can verify that. So we can safely assume that the answer to this question is also faith, not works. And remember, Paul's question wasn't whether they received the Spirit, it was, you received the Spirit when you believed. How did that happen? Did you have to work for it? Did you have to earn it? And the answer was no, it was by faith. What makes this question different, in my view, is that, it has to do more with the ongoing maintenance of our salvation. This is one of the questions in the notes, and I'll explain that more in a second. But if you look at how this passage is written, if you look at verse 2, Paul asked the question, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by faith? 
And the next thing he says is, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? So he, he knew how they were going to answer the question. Do you see that? He, he knew that right away the answer would be obvious to them. So he didn't even spend time justifying that part of it. He just says, how did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law or by faith? And then he just continues, are you so foolish, having begun in faith? So that was the answer, and they knew it. But this next part, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And then after that point, you see in verse 6, he begins to explain the answer. So this is the part they had a problem with. If you're looking at the text and the way it's written, they didn't have a problem believing that initially they received the Spirit and were saved by faith. They had a problem with the ongoing aspect of now that we're believers, what's the relationship between our faith and our works? Is it now being perfected in the flesh or by works? So, again, on your, on your notes in your study guide, the questions, the difference between the question in Galatians 3 verse 2 and the question in 3 verse 5 hinges on this verse, Galatians 2, 3 verse 2. It hinges on 3 verse 2. It's that question. Did you, he says, having begun, sorry, in verse 3, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Those two parts that's the difference. The first part was how you began, and now it's how are you being perfected. And so the title today was, How Are You Being Perfected? 3 verse 2 was about the initial gift of salvation. It was about the initial gift of salvation. 3 verse 5 is about the ongoing maintenance of our salvation and how that works. And so this is what the, the, the Gentiles, the Galatians were struggling to understand was, now that I've been saved, do I now need to do works in order to maintain it or make sure I don't lose it in some sense? So that's where I got the idea for that classroom setting. Because it's almost like God said, by faith you now have an A. And they're asking, now, how do I keep this A? Do I have to work for it? Michelle Pfeiffer would have said yes. But does God say yes? In terms of our salvation, after it's been given, do we have to work to keep it? Can we lose it? I like to see different answers. That means it's important to discuss this this morning. Whether or not you can lose your salvation. So Paul begins to answer the question by verse 6, quoting from the Old Testament. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Now he's not yet answering the real question, but he's laying a foundation just to make sure. And you might remember from Romans 4, Paul used this before, the same example before about, about Abraham. And what he's talking about is Genesis, and I want to go there with you. If you have a real Bible, you can turn there. If you've got an app, you can swipe there or whatever. Um, but it's Genesis chapter 15. So I get this image in my mind, and this is, you know, this is fiction. But I can imagine it being possible. Remember in uh, Galatians 1, when Paul said, after Christ revealed himself, he went away to Arabia, and he was there for three years. I can just imagine Paul spending that time going over Old Testament texts and meditating on them 
in light of now knowing that Christ was the Messiah and how faith works. And I imagine this passage being one of the ones that meant a lot to him because he mentions it twice to Rome and he mentions it here to Galatia, this important fact about Abraham's righteousness. So in Genesis 15, starting in verse 1, halfway through the verse, God says to Abram, Don't fear. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. And then verse 4, where the Lord came to him saying, This man won't be your heir, but the one who will come forth from your own body will be your heir. Then he says in verse 5, Look towards the heaven, count the stars. If you're able to count them, so shall your descendants be. And then in verse 6 of Genesis 15, it says, Then he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, reckoned it to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed what God was saying, and then God said, you're righteous by that belief. Now go to the next two chapters over, Genesis 17, verses 10 through 11. God says to Abraham, in Genesis 17, verses 10, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old, verse 12, shall be circumcised. So, skip ahead a couple thousand years to Christ's time, and the Jews believed that only they could be righteous. And if a Gentile wanted to be righteous, they had to be circumcised and follow all the law. If you're a male, be circumcised. Obviously not if you're a female. But you had to follow all of the law, the Old Testament law. You had to become a Jew in every way to be righteous. And I can imagine Paul in Arabia going over these verses and thinking, wait a minute. God called Abraham righteous before he was circumcised. And how just mind-shattering that was, because to a Jew, that's what made them clean from the world. The Gentiles, they would call them the uncircumcision. That was the sign of uncleanliness to a Jew. And Paul going, God called Abraham righteous before that, just by faith. So that was a very powerful thing for Paul to realize. And so he mentions it in Romans 4. He mentions it here as a solid defense to say, even with Abraham, it was by faith and not circumcision. Then verse 8 and 9, back in Galatians now, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he's making that argument still, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Now the NASB here says, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Does anybody else have a different translation than when it says, Preach the gospel to Abraham? In verse 8. What, what, what do you have? Okay, Pritzka. Announced. What translation is that? Do you know? Okay, that's a good one. Announced. We're back in Galatians 3. 
but good job looking. Yeah, we're in Galatians 3, verse 8. I like those tabs too. Man, you're old school. That's so cool. I miss tabs on my Bible. You know, when you get a new Bible and you, have, you, you add the tabs to it and you get your new highlighters and you smell it. Gosh, I'm such an old soul. Saying? So, so Galatians 3, verse 8. Does it say gospel in yours? All right. Okay. Yeah, so um, that's a tricky translation. It's one word in the Greek. It's not verb preached and then object gospel. It's one word. And the word used could also be translated evangelize. But even that is tricky because, like you might know by now, hopefully, the word gospel just means good news. And to put that into a verb form in Greek just means to share good news. And the New Living Translation, I'm surprised, has a really good version. They say, proclaim the good news. I'm surprised because I grew up not liking the New Living Translation. But the more I study multiple versions together... I don't like paraphrases in general. I like literal translations. But honestly, the way they paraphrase very often, I think is accurate and helpful. Yeah. And I'm surprised. So so the NLT says, proclaim the good news to Abraham. And it's an important clarification because God didn't preach the entire gospel of Jesus Christ to Abraham beforehand like he didn't say, this is the gospel, Abraham, Christ is going to die for your sins and raise on the third day and ascend to heaven and give you the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then he's going to return. He didn't do that. That's not what, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul just means that God declared the good news. Yours is similar to that. Um, NIV was similar to that. Or NLT, proclaimed the good news to Abraham that in him all the nations would be blessed. That was the good news that he declared to Abraham. So I want to clarify that. So, and again, all nations will be blessed in you, pointing out again that it's about not just Jews, but all nations. So all this is helpful, and it's clarifying, but it's not addressing the question yet, is it? Because Paul's asking the question now, how do we maintain our faith? And do we maintain it through faith or through works? But this is all just groundwork, making sure they really understand this whole idea of faith isn't a New Testament concept. Even in the Old Testament, it was always faith. But now he's going to begin to actually un- unpack the answer to the question of, what about now? Now that we are saved, is that continued or maintained by works in any way? It starts out in verse 10 saying, As many of you are, who are of the works of the law are under a curse. So those in your church right now that think you need to do works now are under a curse. Why? Verse 10, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So he's saying, if you're trying to perfect your salvation through good works, you're still cursed. Because if you can't obey every single part of the law and you're relying on that for your righteousness, you're cursed. Unless you can do it perfectly. In other words, if you can't keep the A for the entire year and you're relying on your own efforts to do so, you're not going to have an A because no one 
unlike in school, no one in the kingdom is perfect. And any kind of mark against any grade, any kind of that's no longer an A, that's now you're unrighteous. If you're trying to earn your righteousness by being a perfect human being and you mess up just once, you're under the curse. Then Galatians 3.11, no one is justified by the law. And that's evident for the righteous man shall live by faith. He's again quoting this time from Habakkuk 2.4 to say again, even the Old Testament, God was saying, the righteous man must live by faith because if the righteous man is depending on his works for his righteousness, he won't make it. So even in the Old Testament, you had to have faith. It was by faith the whole time. Then verse 12, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Quoting from Ezekiel 20, 11. And so Paul says the law is not faith. So above he said, the righteous man shall live by faith. And here he says, the law is not faith. So it's almost like he expects one of their arguments to be, yeah, I get it, live by faith. But the way that I live by faith is by now obeying the law. And he's saying the law is not faith. It's not what I mean. They're separate things. Don't try to be perfected by obedience to the law. It's always been faith. And now Galatians 3, verse 13. The good news, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So you follow the logic here. He's like, if you're trying to live out your life according to the law, you're still cursed because you cannot earn your righteousness. If you made even one mistake, you're now cursed. But Christ paid for that curse. The implication being, there's, it wouldn't make logical sense for God to expect you to have to earn your righteousness now if he already knew you couldn't earn it. And that's why Christ came to die, not just to pay for your past sins, but to give you present righteousness in the moment. He took on the curse for us. So there's no curse left for us. So in that forgiveness, it wasn't just forgiveness for past sins. It was grace and forgiveness for the rest of your life as you continue to walk. If you make mistakes and you ask for forgiveness, there's going to be enough grace to forgive every one of your sins because there's no curse left for you. If you're a believer, the curse was already taken. Christ became that curse on the tree when he died. Why did he do it? Verse 14, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So to fulfill the promise God made to Abraham, that in his seed all the nations we blessed, all nations, Gentiles too, Abraham believed and it was called righteousness through faith. So now, in Paul's time and today, Jews cannot become righteous by works. It's by faith. In the same way, the Gentiles cannot be made righteous by works of the law, but only faith. So that, that's, that's his argument. Even for present day, it's all by faith. Our salvation began in faith, and it's continued in faith. The Spirit and the miraculous power of God is by faith, not by legalism. And there's so much freedom in this. Yes, you have a question? Um, for some reason, it says, so Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. That was 
verse. Let's see. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. I'll answer it. Thanks, Noah. The blessing of Abraham, he's talking about the blessing that God gave to Abraham so that that blessing can come to all of us. Good question, though. You can also write down your questions and ask me afterwards if you want. Just, but you might forget, but I understand. So anyway, because we're coming to the close now, so I just want you to recognize the freedom we have, the fact that even in our present day, working out and trying to obey God, when we make mistakes, we're not losing our salvation because there's no more curse left for us. If we're really saved, Christ took the curse. So there's no curse left. There's only grace left as we continue to pursue Him, and that's forgiveness. But there's one last point that I want to make in closing. I like to be expository and stay within a text as much as possible and teach the verses, but I think it's disingenuous for me to only teach this and not at least acknowledge the fact that James has some pretty harsh things to say about those who claim to be saved but have no works. Um, it's just disingenuous to pretend like that passage doesn't exist. Um, Galatians 2 is a pretty, I'm sorry, James 2 is a pretty strong passage. You're encouraged to read it and wrestle with it. I know some of you have been doing that. Um, so James says some things that are pretty strong. He says, faith doesn't act alone. Faith works together with our works to justify us. Faith without works is dead. And it seems like a contradiction to what Paul's saying, especially Romans 4, because this is actually kind of dialed back a bit. If you read Romans 4 and Paul's like, we cannot be justified by the works of the law. It's only by faith apart from the law. So how do you reconcile that? There's not a whole lot of time to do a deep study in both. We will get to James one day, and we'll look at it then in more detail. But what I want to say is that James is dealing with a different issue. Paul here is dealing with Christians who think they have to earn their salvation through works. <clears throat> James is dealing with those who may have heard Paul and believe they can't earn their salvation, and now they've become completely complacent. And there are no good works in their life. They're living and doing whatever they want just because, oh, I'm saved so I can do whatever I want. So James is dealing with complacency. And what he says is essentially that if you have real faith, you will have works. <clears throat> it's not that the works save you. And also the word justify can have different meanings. So when James says justified, if you look above that, he was saying, you say you have faith without works, but I'll show you my faith by my works. So there's a comparison from man to man, and the justification he's talking about is not salvation justification, but between man and man, he's saying, I can justify my faith to you by my works, and apart from works, I cannot justify my faith to you. Because I can say whatever I want, but if my life doesn't back it up, why would you believe that I'm a believer if... I live just like the world. So James is not saying you're not justified before God without works. He is saying you're not justified before man, before me. James is like, if I'm the one judging you, if I'm looking at you and your life and there's not been any change and you're not living for God at all, then I'm thinking you're not saved. That's what James is talking about, that kind of complacency. Here, Paul's dealing with a different issue and he's saying, 
Don't make the mistake of thinking. Don't have it begun in the Spirit. Now try to perfect yourself in the flesh. You're not going to earn salvation in the flesh. So, back to the, uh, the journal notes that I provided for you. Salvation is by faith and cannot be earned by good works. However, good works are evidence of true faith. And that's what James is getting at, that good works are evidence of true faith. So, if you think you're a believer, but your life looks just like the world, and you don't sense in yourself any desire to know God, or chase after Him, you sense no desire to pray for those that you know who aren't saved, to try to be an example to them, if you don't sense in yourself a desire to obey God and to serve God in some way, you're probably not saved. That's what James is getting at. But when we get to James, I'll get more into detail with this, but the motivation for those works is not even to prove to yourself you're saved. Don't go around doing good works to convince yourself that you're saved. Good works is an expression of love toward God and toward man. And that's why Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. The second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, if you obey these two things, you will fulfill the entire law already out of a motive of love. Not trying to earn your salvation, but as an expression of love to God and man. When you love God, you want to obey Him. When you love people, you don't want to sin against them. And that will take care of all of it. And so where you still sin towards God or towards men, there's a lack of love, and that's something that God can work on you with as you continue to pursue Him. But don't try to improve in those areas out of fear of losing your salvation. Trust in the gospel and know you're saved and receive the Spirit, know you're saved, and then work out your salvation with fear and trembling out of love for God and man, not out of fear because it's a different issue. Paul's saying, you're saved. There's no longer a curse left for you. You're saved if you believe by faith. And now as far as how that continues for life, it's still by faith. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. You're being perfected by faith.